0: Let's release the balls, she everyone, let's have some right fun in the house today. I oh, I think that I Ready? Woo! She is always right there when I need her. Put your hands together when you're not catching balls. Leader. She is always right there when I need her. Oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. She is always right there when I need her. Awesome. Who said church can't be fun, hey? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for participating this morning. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> I thought, beach balls, why not? It's Sunday service. Why can't we have fun in the house of the Lord this morning? Clearly this morning, it's been so exciting to just witness the Holy Spirit interweave this incredible gift of um, cheering each other on and encouraging each other. Taran said it. Greg said it and I just can't wait to see how the Holy Spirit continues to unravel this precious gift this morning. We as the body of Christ carry the call of being disciples of Jesus Christ, following His model, is this sounding familiar this morning, and loving others. And part of that responsibility has to be It has to be championing and cheering on those around us, seeing people as God sees them, asking for prophetic insight from the Holy Spirit, championing people and encouraging them to reach their full potential in Christ. Because if we speak truth and life and love regularly, mindsets alter, chains are broken, Strongholds are taken. Atmospheres shift and men and women emerge with the call of God on their lives. Hallelujah. Excellent. So I'm going to pray because I'm excited and I just want to bring it down or not. So I'll sit and sit and ponder God at the moment. And if you'd like to join with me in prayer, that'd be great. Dear Heavenly Father, we just are in awe of how awesome you are, Lord God, and how you you send a Holy Spirit to accompany, you, accompany your message to us today, Lord. I just pray that the words that are spoken today are directly heaven sent this morning. I pray that as you've already started working in people's lives, in our hearts and in our minds this morning, that you will just continue unraveling the message that you have for your people today. Lord, I step aside humbly as your servant to just bring what you need to be brought this morning. Come, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So with that being said, and with the video that we've presented and the balls and all the fun, the title of my sermon today is Get Your Pom Pom On, okay? And I want to focus today on the great prophet Elijah and some specific moments in his life, which I feel speaks to this whole area of cheerleading, The first aspect of Elijah's story I wanna focus on is actually in 1 Kings 18, chapter 18, verse 17. So if you wanna turn there now, and while while you're doing that, I'll just provide a very brief outline regarding the story of Elijah. The main players of this particular part of history are Elijah, King Ahab, who was the king of Israel at the time, and Jezebel, his wife. She was a nasty pasty, let me tell you. But King Ahab's desire was to constantly possess what didn't belong to him, which led to discontent, death, and ultimately destruction. Certainly a sermon idea for another day, wanting what others have and where it often leads. But you know, Elijah's impact during this time was simply stunning. His impact on and the things he saw and did are truly on another level as he boldly prophesied the end of Ahab and his wife Jezebel just think of that for the moment prophesying against the king of Israel at the time I mean that's just boldness in abundance hey amen so with that my first point is through God's eyes, it's so interesting though, just a side note, I actually had my first point as I am who you say I am, but I thought it's too cliched, Hillsong have already done it, yet here we are singing it this morning. So through God's eyes, bracket, I am who you say I am, but don't tell Hillsong I ripped them off. But in this particular passage of Scripture, we see an exchange between Elijah and King Ahab. Follow with me, it says... When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, a man who by his very word could speak an end to the drought, a man who defeats all the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, who brings a boy back from the dead, and who outruns chariots. I mean, he's outrunning Maseratis in today by today's standards. Just think, outrunning a chariot. But Ahab calls him a troubler of Israel because in Ahab's eyes, that's exactly what Elijah was. This great mighty man of God who has seen and done extraordinary things because of God, doubts his potential and purpose. As we see in chapter 19, verse four, "You know, I just love Elijah. I just love him. He's a tad on the dramatic side, and it's so I can really actually relate to him, because Elijah says in this verse, "It is enough now. O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors." Just like Moses before, Elijah feels. He is not up to the task that God has called him to. So he is hiding from Jezebel and cries out to God. And out of complete desperation, fear, and a sense of isolation and loneliness, Amen Tyron, Elijah firstly finds a tree to hide under and then hides in a cave. And then, oh God you're so good, and then God asks what are you doing here Elijah the greatest cheerleader of all sometimes says to us what are you doing here how did you get to this place of insecurity and doubt and being fearful of the circumstances you find yourself in do you not know I am God who called this world into existence, who knows you by name, who created you before you came into being, do you not think I know what you are facing, what you're going through? Do you not think that I am with you? Why are you here doubting who I have called you to be and what I have called you to do? And then god says in verse 15 go return you know the sheer desperation the isolation and depression that elijah was feeling at this particular time is quite confronting but it's also very relatable in today, in today's society elijah felt this way because of his fear of man and perhaps a belief in a title given to him that didn't match what God saw in him and who he created Elijah to be. Point two, it's a two-way street. You know, the Lord continues to speak to Elijah and says, "'Go, return, and go to the desert of Damascus. "'When you get there, anoint Hazael.'" My Jewish pronunciation is awful, so just excuse me. "'King over Aram.'" That sounds good. Also, anoint Jehu, I feel like there has to be some kind of (laughs) Flemish. Jehu, (laughs) except I'm so dry that I can't even get that up. Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to have to change my name to Sarai or something, I don't know. But here he is to succeed you as prophet. What the? Like, what, what, what? When I'm reading these profound men and women, I think they've got their lives together. But I sometimes get those knee-jerk reactions. And as I read this passage, I think, wow, how would I react to the Lord pointing out my successor? How would you react if the Lord said, here, this is the man who will succeed you. Elijah seems to be at the height of his career. Then out of the blue, God turns around and not just tells him, oh, I'm going to anoint such and such from the land of such and such, but he says, there he is, there's the man. I mean, would you be sizing him up going, hang on a minute, I, I don't know, I'm trying to be a man, I don't know. I've got better biceps than you, I don't know, I don't know, I've got more hair, I don't know what men do, but anyway, would you start to compare what you look like and what, you've, what, you, what gifts you bring. But you see, we will all go through or have gone through periods of change. Periods where we've had to hand over the baton or the position to someone else. You know, maybe in our family or at work or even in church, it is a part of life. But I believe that our encouragement today comes from men like Elijah or Moses who are confronted by that same situation and maneuver through so magnificently that we can take hold of their stature and learn from them. You know, these moments require tremendous encouragement for ourselves and for those taking on these handover roles. Because as we know, sometimes when we have to let go, Well, it's wrapped up in emotion, it's wrapped up in an investment, an energy that you've put into a role or a position, you've expended in building building it up over such a period of time. It could also be who you are, your identity is wrapped up in what you've held. And closing a chapter on a part of your life is sometimes difficult to comprehend, yet actually to navigate through it but let's look at verse 21 and see what happens next. I'm so excited, it's so exciting. Then he, Elisha, set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. But get this, from this crucial point onwards, Elijah does nothing but kick goals for God. There are no more cave moments or hiding under trees. And I'm sure Elijah grapples with the same feelings that he had before, but just for a second, consider this, that maybe the fact that Elisha being appointed as successor and as servant and accompanying companion to Elijah to be mentored by him, by the great prophet, was actually a saving grace for Elijah as well. Where through our natural eyes, we may see a successor as threatening, challenging, confronting. We have difficulty letting go and handing the reins over to someone else. But the relationship between a mentor and a successor can be just what the mentor needs to propel them into the next season or chapter of their lives. As much as it is in the best interest of the successor, we are cheering on. The relationship needs each other to cheer each other on. It's a two-way street of growth, of encouragement, and momentum in order to go separate ways and to achieve what needs to be done. You know, there's such an important moment within the exchange of position where we can make or break someone's transition into the role that they are required to play. But I have no doubt that if God had ordained Elisha, which he did, but Elijah had pulled back and kept the mantle for himself or left without cheering Elisha on and mentoring him, that Elisha would have succeeded anyway. And when I'm thinking about a time of transition in my own life, you know, God always has a way of bringing you back to a prior lesson that you should have learned. especially in preparing a message, I thought, I've got this down, Pat. And then I remembered, oh yes, yes. When I was really young, really young, and I was teaching at Bentley Secondary College, I had accepted another position and so, had to hand over a thriving media department. You see my insecurity at the time was tied to control anyone relate fear of letting go fear of not being remembered as the person who started media at Bentley and done some pretty incredible things I took I took 18 kids to on an international excursion to Disneyland for year 11 media I mean, Come on, that's pretty cool, hey? Yes, I'll get the credit now, I love it. Um, But even though though I had resigned, I had chosen to leave and pursue another opportunity, meeting my replacement on one of those last days, a man who rocked up in a Hawaiian shirt. I mean, I've got nothing against Hawaiian shirts. Really? This is who you found to replace me? (laughs) Anyway, but he started asking me for my curriculum. I thought, get off of me, you get your own curriculum. Did I graciously welcome him in? Did I cheer him on, set him up, hand over my keys, and wish him the best? I'll leave the answer to that for another day. (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't. But regardless of my lack of championing and cheering this new dude on, he succeeded anyway. And I am but a distant memory (laughs) in the life of Bentley Secondary College. Um, But I could have been an example. I could have been the example that was required and asked of us in scripture. I should have championed him on and set him up in the best position possible. And who knows if I had, what great partnerships would have emerged or what great lessons I would have learnt and come away with from it. Point three, Elijah's C-H-E-E-R. In chapter two, verses nine, it says, before Elijah leaves Elisha, he says, tell me what I may do for you before I'm taken from you. I love it. He's so humble and amazing. Here is a man who is not threatened, he's not insecure by his successor and instead, instead turns to him and says, is there anything that you need from me in order to propel you into the next stage of your ministry? Is there anything I can do to help you to be the best successor you can be? And in saying these words to Elisha, Elijah is in effect saying, you have everything. You have everything you need to do this role. God himself has appointed you. But are there any questions, Elisha, or any doubts or any insecurities that you have in your mind that we can just... Get rid of now so that you can move into this next stage of your life. Anything that I can do to set you up because you've got this. You can do this. Elisha, you are a great prophet chosen by God. Come on. God knows you can do this and I know you can do this. Can we show the next video, please? And I I was just this morning, I was like looking at some more videos and because I'm just obsessed with watching them and they got interviewed by ABC News. I found out this morning they actually won that championship and they really because of what was going on behind. So this video, I think, is the antithesis of what Elijah did for Elisha and what our role as cheering along our successors or the next generation should look like. I'm sure I could bust some moves and kick my legs off and do what I need to do. But Elijah didn't hold back. That's the critical message. He didn't hold back in any way. He hasn't packed up his toys and gone home and said, well, you work it out. God's appointed you, Mr. Fantastic. You figure it out. But He is cheering his successor on and plays more of a vital role in the story continuing. You see, just like these coaches, sure the main action is on the stage and that's what everyone's come to see, but it is the coaches who steal the limelight because of their enthusiasm, their encouragement, their actions are coming right alongside the cheerleading team. You know, they don't have, they have no idea that they're being watched, that they have in fact upstaged the team that they came along to support. But they weren't doing it. They weren't doing that for their own gain or for their own limelight. They simply wanted to encourage, to cheer on and share in the moment with those they were coaching. And that is the same as Elijah. He simply came alongside continued to prophesy and do what God had called him to do. And then in the final question, hands the baton onto Elisha, cheering him all the way. My final point is the impact. The impact, the impact. I'm just gonna, Holy Spirit, this is amazing. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, come now, Lord. I just know that there's a message in here for someone in this place. The impact is when Elisha actually answers Elijah's question in verse 10. It says, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Oh, bum. <laughs> Otherwise, it will not. As they will, it doesn't say, oh, bum, in the scripture, either way, I just want to preface that. <laughs> not, in the, not even in the message version. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry, this is a really important moment. Oh, sorry. Okay, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses, and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Can you just imagine it? I can't because I can't comprehend. A chariot of fire roaring from heaven. Because if you heard fire, you know, it roars, it's not silent. A chariot of fire and chariot and, and horses of fire come down in a whirlwind and scoop Elijah up. And Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. A double portion. But this doesn't mean that Elisha wanted to be bigger than Elijah. It simply showed Elisha's great respect for who Elijah was, and who he was to God. You see, in Jewish culture, the firstborn son was historically significant and crucial to a patriarchal society at the time when the passage was set. So if anything happened to the father, the firstborn son would step into the role as head of the family. He received a double inheritance and any land held by the family will be passed through his generation. Now here, Elisha is recognizing Elijah as carrying the same importance as a firstborn son in relation to not only himself, but in his relationship to God. Elisha craved to be just like Elijah, not better than, not to have more of what he had, but only to be considered as an equal to a larger in God's economy. You know sometimes when we feel threatened or overlooked or forgotten, or through our insecurities and our fears, we retreat to our caves, or we pass judgment and we hold back cheering on our successes. Or sometimes, you know what, we don't cheer at all because we think well they' have been blessed enough. If I cheer too loudly, God might actually hear and give them more blessing while I sit here and get none. But people paint their worlds as pretty perfect in this day and age. And we perceive them as not requiring, championing or cheering on. And so we hold back on our encouragement and we sit under a cloud of comparison and judgment. We certainly don't cheer them on and we definitely don't cheer ourselves on. We instead take these judgments and internalise them by devaluing ourselves and undervaluing others. Listening to the lies from the enemy and not counteracting them with the truth. The lies become the rhetoric we tell ourselves and we don't hold on to the promises of God, nor do we encourage others despite our shortfalls and insecurities, but we pull them down to make ourselves feel better. But if today we take a leaf out of Elisha's book and turn our attention to the mentor we have in our lives, And as New Covenant Christians, our prayer every day should be to live our lives wanting to be just like Jesus Christ. Jesus is the firstborn Son of God, the firstborn Son of man. And so every ounce of our being should be just like Elisha, asking and desiring to be every bit like Jesus. Carry, carry every ounce of blessing that the firstborn son of God has and we change from glory to glory every day. Be just like Him. You know, Jesus Christ is the greatest cheerleader who came down to earth. A man who stood up to law keepers, who responded with love to anyone. Women, children, Unrighteous, righteous, those that were unlovable, unaccepted, marginalised, holy, unholy. He cheered them on, encouraged them and gave up His heavenly seat to to walk on earth and experience grief, hurt, suffering and humanity in all its aspects. A man who gave up His life on a cross, laid down His life for you and me, in a bold move that says all is forgiven I've done my part you've got this I have come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest so how do we cheer? as Greg said we're not in denial about circumstances, life can be Really difficult sometimes, and in some circumstances, it can be hard to champion others when what you're going through yourselves, you can barely even get through things day by day. So I'm not saying you just jump out of bed and life is all rosy and just go about cheering everyone on and put on a cheerleader's outfit and where you know take your pom poms out. That looks strange anyway, so don't do that. But sometimes we do get swallowed up in our own drama. And as I said earlier, we live under a cloud of comparison. And so we do need to look past our own circumstances to cheer those on around us. I believe today we we all need to be better at cheerleading. We all need to be looking for ways to encourage others. Elisha, could never be Elijah. They had separate walks and separate things to do. And God knew that. That's why He called them both separately. And you have a unique part to play in this world. You can't be like anyone. You can't, you shouldn't compare to anyone. The only person, the only person we should aspire to is the example of Jesus Christ. And I really believe that this message today, that there are people here who live under a cloud of comparison, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a friend. And this there's just a feeling of insecurity and doubt. And it's just holding you back in a cave or under a tree. And God is saying, what are you doing here today? What are you doing here? Why are you here? I've called you by name. I know who you are. I've given you talents and gifts. That's." Unique to you. Why are you here? Why are you in this cave today? And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, just to give people privacy and to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does best. I just ask if that's you, if you need a special encouragement from God today to remind you of who you are and who you've been called to be, it's okay to... You know, think those thoughts and that's fine. And I'd like to pray with you. So if you want to, if you feel comfortable, you can raise your hand. Or if there are people here today who feel like they've been living in a cloud of comparison for too long, that their identity is being wrapped up in some artificial world, artificial thing, and they've forgotten who you've called them to be, I'd also ask you to raise your hand this morning. Jesus. And still with every eye closed and every head bowed. I'm just going to pray. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Oh God, you are amazing and incredible Lord. And you have purposed us all uniquely with unique gifts and talents. Lord God, today I ask that you remind us of who you've called us to be. Lord, that you just send your Holy Spirit of purpose, um, your Holy Spirit of encouragement today, Lord God. That these people who have boldly put their hands up today, Lord God, that you see them, you know them, you've called them by name, Lord God. And I pray that you uh, cheer them on in this next season, Lord God. You remind them that they're not to be compared with anyone else, you love them for who they are. Even in their greatest weakness, you see them as perfect today, Lord God. Holy Spirit, thank you. We just give you honour and praise, Lord God, that you send these incredible examples like Elijah and Elisha. And Lord, that you sent the greatest example for us all today in Jesus Christ. Let us all aspire to be more like Him every day. That as we encounter more of you, we learn more about you and we learn more about the quality and characteristics of your Son. Change us from glory to glory every day, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, outstanding. Wasn't that outstanding? Fantastic. Hey, listen, why don't we all stand together? I think what, what we'll do is um, if you want someone to pray with you after hearing that message...